HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Packing up and starting over. Tempting, huh? But what really plays out when you relocate your job, your home, and your relationships? We've got editor and writer Julia Bainbridge on for our third episode exploring new beginnings. It's Monday, May 22nd. And this is Love Bites Radio. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you from Heritage Radio Network. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I'm 35 and single, and you can find me as at Words Food Art. And I am your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. I am 34 in a relationship, and you can find me as at Ben Rose NYC. At Ben Rose NYC. Why are you making fun of my delivery? No, it was just perfect delivery. Have you? Did, have, have, do you do this professionally or something? I do this every Monday. <laughs> Every Monday. All right. Well, this is the third show in our new Beginnings series. Benjamin, why don't you introduce our guest today? I would love to. Julia Bainbridge is the food editor of Atlanta Magazine and a James Beard Award-nominated writer. She's also the host and creator of The Lonely Hour, a podcast about loneliness that is somehow not a completely depressing bummer every episode. Um, and we applaud you for that and welcome you to the show, Julia. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I guess I, I should also say I'm 34, single, and it's not a bummer. Thank you for contributing that. It's like we sort of invite guests to, and half the time they wimp out. So see, not a bummer and not a wimp. Uh, Thanks for <laughs> thanks for calling in from Atlanta. 
Um, so during the second half of our show, listeners, we are going to dig into Julia's big move. She used to be a, a New York City writer, editor, and now she is an Atlanta, Georgia writer, editor, which we're going to pick her brain about thoroughly. And that is part of our game today where Ben and Julia are going to pair off and see if they can beat my three questions about New York versus Georgia. Probably, probably, our listeners know how bad I am at this game, and they know uh, that unless Julia can somehow save me, um, well, today, we're doomed to fail. Today is a brand, new, a brand new day, though. It's a new beginning, so you never know, Benjamin. I like that tie-in there. That was very, yeah. very clever. Thank you. Um, so why don't we start off the show, though, with talking about general restarts with home because we've all sort of had i mean if you're a new yorker you live in more than one apartment unless you are very lucky or maybe very wealthy um but we've all had and and ben you move around for your acting job i've worked around for both i've moved around both for acting and and writing so why don't we just start off chatting about um the idea of like how do you reset uh with one specific point in your past how have you said goodbye to an apartment or a city that you've lived in? How do you prepare for that? How ready do you feel? Uh, who wants to sort of kick us off? I, I will. I mean, I'll say I don't really have a ritual yet. Unfortunately, I'm still feeling things out with each change and kind of see what sticks. I have done a couple parties in New York City apartments after all my shit moved out and I have an empty space. Then it's idea. usually a bit of a dance party and we say goodbye and pour a little champagne on the floor. And nice. That's a really good idea. I've never done that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I, I think... If I think of a specific example of when it felt right, and maybe I should do this in the future because I'm sure many more changes will come, like um, I grew up in a big, like, turn-of-the-century home on the outskirts of Baltimore, and we all loved the house in my family on Richard Road. It had, like, a real soul to it. It had such strong bones and thick walls that despite Maryland's humid summers, it stayed cool throughout the season. You know, it was just fantastic. But after my parents divorced and my three older brothers moved away for college or boarding school, it was just too much for my mother to maintain. So we downsized and moved to a townhouse 10 minutes away. And I kind of then had like a month long mourning period. Like, I don't think I was sophisticated enough at that age to ritualize the ending of my life at Ridgewood. I just sat in my favorite places a bunch of the weeks leading up to the move. <laughs> that, that seemed, I just soaked it in, you know, that's, comforting to hear in a way because my childhood home that I've grown up with is on the market and I've sort of been dreading when it does sell for that reason so both the idea of having a party in an empty house and understanding that you might I, I, I don't know I have a feeling it'll take me a long time to sort of get over when that house is gone so I'm not surprised that oh, there was a period yeah. of mourning for you um what about you Ben because you move around a lot I do move around a lot I think I have been lucky for two reasons in that um one i when i'm going somewhere i always have a very specific reason that i'm going it's all, either a project or i think the most sort of significant move for me in my adult life um was when i moved to boston for three years to go to graduate school and that was like a very specific reason that i was very excited to be going for and i also i think the one trick for me that's really important which is always true but i think is really important is that i can always remind myself that i it, it's not forever it doesn't have to be forever my move mm. isn't gonna be forever and that i new york is my home and i moved to boston but i kind of knew that i was going to be moving back when i was done anyway so i think what helped me get through the initial stages of the move and even my the whole three years that i was there was knowing that like 
the end goal was still coming back here. Mm. Mm. See, I'm sort of pondering. I've been in New York for 14 years, and I'm sort of pondering if now or soon is is the time, which I never thought I'd be pondering. And one thing that comforted me, and this links back to my my most significant move, was moving to Cincinnati for a year. And I had broken up with a guy I'd been dating for 10 years, and I had just gone through another bout of being sick. And it was a year job, so I knew I'd be moving back to New York afterwards. But I worked really hard to make that make Cincinnati home for a year and I sought out things to do there and I hit every good restaurant and every underground you know music thing and sort of every museum things that I don't do in New York um you know and so I so I sort of felt ready to leave when I came home but one thing I've been thinking about and sort of banking on for myself as far as rituals is that like I'm a nester so everywhere I go I make it feel like home even if it's a job that I'm doing for three months and coming back yeah Uh, you know it's like taking your stuff with you and like having you know, your curtains and your linens and the, like my favorite candle, mug, candle. Some yeah. take a candle into hotel rooms even, you know, to exactly. be settled in it. Yes. Like, yeah, that actually, you mentioned that on an episode, on our episode of Love Bites on our ladies who lunch round table, but like even bringing candles with you to hotels. Um, and I love that because that's sort of what I do too. Like I bring, you know, bath salts and I bring sleep masks and I bring candles and sort of make anything like bring comfort things with you. It, it's so interesting because I think, I think that's a very common thing for a lot of people. And I feel like so weird because I am not like that at all. Like even when I come back to New York, like I've been back in New York from Portland now where I was for a few months in the winter. I've been back now for three months and I'm like still not fully unpacked. I think a lot of people are like, like that too though. Like I have, I have a lot of people walk into my apartment and say how homey it feels, even though they, they've lived in their apartments just as long. I think it just depends on, I think just certain people are like, I feel like my apartment is a grandma compared to friends of mine because it's a little, <laughs> a little over yeah. comforty. Well, no, that's nice though. Whereas I feel like my life is in two bags and I can pick them up at any time and kind of am ready to be off to a new city for a few months. Right. Interesting. Um, Jacqueline, I have a thought for you that might help with your childhood home. Um, <gasps> I'd love to hear it. Like, for for the Ridgewood Road home I mentioned before, like, that house did go up for sale a couple of years ago, and um, my family members were all passing the announcement around via email. Like, we were almost considering finding a way to buy it again. Like, it was such a magical um, house for all of us, even our friends. You know, everybody talks about 204 Ridgewood Road, you know. But the people who owned it somewhere along the way updated it to a degree that made it just like not the house we all knew. I mean, the kitchen when I was growing up had the original cabinetry with heavy glass pane doors and there was no central air. We just kept all the windows and doors open and we burned fires to keep the place warm in the winter. Like there was no built-in shelving, which is a fairly modern concept, but we just had standalone armoires and the like. And so the house needed to be modernized, I realized, but it just wasn't the same house after that once it was. So the situation with your home might not be that extreme where you were basically living in the turn of the century like we were (laughs) before the house was modernized. But I guess... You know, new owners make little tweaks to houses always that turn it into not the house that it was when you were there. And maybe you can find some solace in the fact that, like, that specific house was only yours. That will definitely help because our house is, um, it's old to us, but my father built it. He's a, he owns a Mm. construction company. And so it very much feels like it was built for our family of, I know you come from a family of four, like our family of four and it was built to fit our family, but it needs a lot of updating. Like it's a, you know, it's sort of like the cobbler's kids are go, you know, go barefoot. Like our house is like a piecemeal house because he built it while he was, 
you know, working at the rest of his life. So like all of the flooring doesn't necessarily match room by room and it needs an updated kitchen. Yeah, I I love that. But most people who want to live in Fairfield County, Connecticut, don't want that. You know, they want very clean, (laughs) uniform, modern houses. So it's the same idea. So that does that does really help because it's it feels like, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be hard. It's going to be oh, hard. So no, so that that helps wonderfully. I'll be here. You can cry on my shoulder. <laughs> There'll Jack. be a lot of crying. There'll be a big, big party. So I think now we should transition into our Georgia versus New York oh, game God. today. Right. Ben, I think that I think today is oh, the day. Okay. Today is the day. Um, so listeners, right now at lovebitesradio.com, the answers are already up. You can listen along and feel smarter than Julia and Ben if they don't get this. <laughs> Julia, if you're in front of a computer, I won't judge you for cheating. <laughs> so uh, I just have three <laughs> questions for them. And like we've done before, they are on the same team. And if they win, they get uh, the glory of winning. And if Julia were in the studio today, she'd be getting some Bob's uh, Red Mill Oatmeal, one of our HRN sponsors that we adore so much. Um, and if they lose, we still love them because we love everybody because we give love here. So uh, three questions. You just have to decide together whether this happened in New York State or in the state of Georgia. Are you ready? I guess so. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Question number one. Vitor, are you ready? Do you got your fingers on the button, dude? Awesome. Okay, here we go. So number one, move over, beef. The hottest new pho in town features collard greens at this popular city joint in Georgia or New York. That was definitely Atlanta. She sounds very confident, Ben. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just pretty much going to defer to you on every one of these <laughs> because I, my instincts are always wrong. So, yes, Georgia. Yes. I can even tell you it was Todd Richards. <gasps> and maybe I win an extra prize. Oh. I, you do. Correct and correct. Yes. That is two. Yeah, you get definitely get two points for that. According to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, <laughs> Chef Todd Richards of Richards Southern Fried serves up a side of collard green pho that cannot be beat with tea-colored egg slices, pepper-edged bacon chunks, chicken bits, and delicate. Kit collards. And you were worried, Julia. I've got a ringer on my team this week. <laughs> my goodness. All right, here we go. Number two, Georgia or New York. Nestled alongside a river, diners looking for romance can stroll through colorful gardens and winding walkways before sitting to celebrate a new beginning at what MSN.com calls the most romantic restaurant in Georgia or New York. Ooh. Ooh. This is a pretty I obtuse I don't know, one. but I, I'd say, I mean... We don't have a ton of, like, water here. So maybe let's say that's New York. Hmm. Okay. For some reason, I have this idea of what is, like, the most romantic, of, like, what is critically heralded as often as the most romantic restaurant in New York, and that doesn't sound like what it is to me. But I'm, again, going to... I'm going to trust your gut on this one and say New York. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, New York. False. It is Georgia. At at Canoe Restaurant in Atlanta, Chef Matthew Brasford turns out sweet and savory seasonal southern fare in a drippingly romantic setting that's been heralded on many a top list for both food and ambiance. You can find more at canoeatl.com. Yeah, that was from msn.com. It was called the most romantic restaurant in the state of Georgia. All right, so you've got... Well, they do play a lot of music over the summers at Canoe Restaurant, so they're fun little parties. I don't know if I would... It's interesting, romantic. I'll have to try it out. Yeah, it, all right. So it looked to me, even online, more like an a, like a vent space compared. Like they talked about, like white yeah. tents for the summer. Yeah, but it pretty gardens, and it's on the 
Chattanooga River, I think it's, I forget. Um, But yeah, yeah, it looked beautiful. All right, last one. So you still have, you're still winning so far because of your extra point. So this, you're either going to tie or win. So really, you're ahead of the pack already. Okay, last question. Down with 45 after declining sales post-election, staff at this Trump-affiliated restaurant are looking for new jobs in Georgia or New York. I'm going to, I would have to say New York for that, but that's my guess. Correct. L.A. Chain Koi will close its Trump Soho location after failing to regularly meet 50 to 60 percent daily capacity, according to Eater.com. Representatives uh, cite drops in celebrity clientele who do not support the president. And Trump Soho and Koi were named in a lawsuit last year for withholding tips from catering jobs. The last day for the restaurant is June 18th, and they're running a 30 to 40 percent reduced menu until then. So you guys won. Julia, congratulations! You're my first, as far as winning the game is concerned. Every other (laughs) partner I've had, we've failed miserably. Really, that's true. I've been keeping track. Yeah, oh yeah, it's been horrendous. (laughs) I'm sorry. So really, I have to just give you (laughs) another round of applause that I will come from my actual hands. Um, Thank you for being a great partner. All right. Well, listeners, we are going to take a commercial and after the break, we are going to come back and pick Julia's brain specifically about her new beginning in Atlanta. Uh, But before we do that, there is a very fun crossover with Love Bites and The Lonely Hour here. Back in December, uh, when Ben had left for Portland, I hosted the best ladies who lunch roundtable show ever with single lady writer gal pals Aaron Fairbanks, Jen Dahl and Lindsay Rupp. And because I know more badass single lady writers, I had returning guests Jamie Feldmar and Jane Allison contribute some thoughts by pre-recorded tracks and Ms. Bainbridge. So it's one of my favorite episodes to date. It's number 56, Single and Fabulous. And I encourage you to check it out here on heritageradionetwork.org or on our iTunes and Stitcher feeds. And then after that episode, uh, the ladies in the studio and I recorded a track for Julia. And that recently went up in episode 21 of The Lonely Hour called The Alone Forever, where comedian and writer Amy Lutkin ponders if she'll ever date again. It's another stunning episode from Julia and her team at The Listening Booth. So check that out at www.thelonelyhour.com and and subscribe to her feed at iTunes, too. There's more information at lovebitesradio.com as well. We'll be right back. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters, who acknowledged the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. Chefs Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, change lives. Learn more about Chefs Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org. And we are back with Julia Bainbridge of Atlanta Magazine and the Lonely Hour podcast. So, Julia, a couple of months ago, you moved from New York to Atlanta for this job. And we did a series on endings a few months ago. What, ben, I, you're I just didn't realize it was that recent. Yeah, yeah. How, what, what month did you move? 
Um, I moved in November, so it's now been about, you know, just over six months. Yeah. So this is still a new beginnings beginning. So we did, um, we just did a series on endings a couple weeks ago. Listeners, if you haven't uh, checked that out, please check that out. It was hard and uplifting and wonderful, the stories we got to collect about that. So now as we explore new beginnings, we're talking about what comes of endings, what comes of the hard things that sort of give space for something new. Um, So that's what we're going to focus on with, with Julia today. But before we start digging into that, uh, what was the main instigator or the final straw for you leaving New York and moving to Atlanta? Yeah, it was the job. You know, I wasn't really looking for a magazine job, frankly, nor was I looking to leave New York. And I think if I were feeling restless in New York, I'm not sure Atlanta, where I have no ties, would be the place I'd make a beeline for. But the possibility of owning a section for a publication with a strong reputation made itself known to me. And I threw my hat in the ring. And I frankly didn't expect it to go anywhere, but um, it did. And here I am. <laughs> you know? So what, um, what were your so, greatest yeah. hopes for that job then, if you were just sort of putting yourself out there to see what would happen with it, really not expecting much? Like what maybe deep inside as you didn't really have expectations for getting the job, like what really did you hope it would bring for you? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think the first, you know, I threw my hat in the ring. I sort of didn't think about it going anywhere, but it did. I had a first, you know, interview with the editor in chief and that was sort of the first hook. Like I think there are, um, I think his work is fantastic, Steve Fennessy, and um, I really thought there were some skills as an editor that I wanted that I feel like I would get working at his right hand. Um, so I just felt more and more encouraged the longer I spent going through the interview process. And then when I was offered the job, I sort of spent every waking moment back in New York City calling in all my favors with mentors, kind of weighing the pros and cons of this kind of decision, um, and felt really encouraged to go. And so I definitely see it like I'm, you know, kind of running away to somewhere else and sticking my brain on a city about which I have no preconceived notions and trying to tell some new stories and add some new energy to the section. Um, So I thought about it a lot from a career standpoint, but I didn't really think about it from like how much my life was about to change standpoint, which was maybe a little naive, but I just was coming down to the wire, finishing up some projects. And I mean, I was at a dinner party the night before my movers came at 8am the next morning. You know what I mean? Like I just didn't really build in time as we were talking about before rituals or sort of like leaving a former home. I didn't really spend that time. And so when I got here, I was pretty shocked. Um, and I guess to really answer your question more head on, like, I'm not sure I really had any hopes from from my new personal life standpoint. And I, and I almost don't consider it really a new home. I'm not sure I'll ever not be a stranger here. Like, I moved to Atlanta with a two-year timeline on my Southern Adventure, as I call it, and very much consider New York home. So my hopes were just to do some good work and tell some good stories, stories that were new to me in a place that, that feels foreign to me. Was there anything, you know, now that you have made this move or when the move finally became a reality that you realized you were excited to leave behind in New York? Um, I definitely looked forward to seeing if men were any kinder or better outside of New York. (laughs) What have you discovered? Uh, Well, that's been a little bit of a rocky road. I did have a breakup with somebody last week, so you're catching me pretty fresh. (laughs) Um, And, uh... I think I discovered in some ways, yes, I remember reporting back to friends in New York, like, oh, my God, men men here treat you like 
human beings, like you men, like state their intentions and they ask you on dates and they follow up about those dates and they, uh, you know, I, I just was, was treated better than I feel like I've been treated in New York where there are just so many women, so many beautiful women, men are like in a candy store and I feel like there's so many, there's so much ghosting going on. Um, and so I was definitely encouraged by a little bit of the Southern gentlemanship I, you know, seemed to catch a whiff of when I first got here. But um, unfortunately, a, a short-lived relationship did just end. So uh, I, I'm not feeling particularly hopeful or positive about the whole of that at the moment. But we, I guess we can get more into that later. Or we can get more into that now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think, like, well, I mean, what have you noticed about socialization in general that does feel different? Because I think especially for people who stay in one place for so long, it's especially a place like New York City, which is in some ways you can have, you know, you can choose your own adventure in New York, but you can also get very easily uh, set in the in the community of people that you have. And like you said, like you can get used to the way people treat each other. Or you can choose to see what you want and how people treat each other as well, depending on your mood or the day or where you live or your job. So what have, what have you noticed about socialization down there romantically or otherwise that does feel either new and refreshing or new and frustrating? That's a good question. I mean, I do think, um, well, I think Southern hospitality is real. Like I think that, you know, as far as making friends, people have been really warm to me and there's, there, people also have, like, Atlanta's a pretty sprawling place, and sometimes that's frustrating, having come from New York, where I really like being able to walk everywhere, um, and I like having public transportation, and you have to use drive a car here, which is frustrating, but that it's sprawling means that um, there is, it's almost like one big suburb, right? Like, there's a lot of green, there are a lot of trees, and a lot of people have homes, like proper homes with a little bit of land, even though you're technically in the city of Atlanta. And that means that when you get together with people, oftentimes you're being invited into their homes, and those homes aren't a studio apartment, you know? <laughs> so that has been kind of nice to luxuriate in a little bit more space, and also to um, see how people, yeah, really connect in homes here. Um, as opposed to out at restaurants, because in New York we all have, you know, uh, symbol size homes, you know. I do, and I'm curious too. I'm, I'm going to harken back to something you said earlier on, and just a few minutes ago, where you said you kind of feel like you're always going to feel like a stranger there. Um, and I know part of that is because you feel like you belong here, and you have intentions, perhaps, of being back here at another time. But I'm curious if, like, if that has something also to do with the socialization down there and if there are things you feel like you are doing or need to do to sort of fit in that are differently different than what you maybe had to do here? Um, I would say what I'm sure you can imagine I'm going to say to that is that like it is the South and so things are a little bit more traditional and so you do have a lot of people who are paired off already as opposed to New York. I had a lot of single friends still even though I'm you know in my mid-30s here. I'm skewing younger in terms of my female friendships <laughs> because I sort of have to if I want to find people who are in the same sort of space as I am with that. Um, and even then, it's so funny, I remember meeting this one girl who's like in her mid-20s and we had this great like coffee meeting and then, you know, uh, she like looked at her watch and was like, okay, well, I've got to go get my kids from daycare. <laughs> like, oh, man. Like, it really, you know, it really is more traditional in that way. A lot of people are paired off. A lot of people have had kids already at my age. And um, that is, that, that's, like, a little bit of a bummer. 
Mm. Um, because the way we structure our days are, you know, they, they have a whole other world at home to take care of. Um, and that just sort of naturally changes how we look at our social time, right? Does it, does it make you, like I wrote a, I wrote an essay forever ago now that was like, I'm, I'm ex, I forget how old I was, but it was basically like, am I cliche for being a single woman at this age? And I feel like were I anywhere other than New York or even being in New York, like if you, again, as far as what you buy into, you, you can feel like a cliche in a way. Does that make you, did, does that come into play being in a different, different space that as a single, you're 30, I'm sorry, you're 34 now you said? Yes. Yeah. Um, so does that come into play as far as like having to hang out with younger women? Whereas in New York, there were so many single women in their mid thirties is obviously we had seven of them on our show on that episode and it was easy to find. Um, does, has that changed? How is how you see yourself in that way? Has that changed since moving? I mean, I think I'm feeling my single them a little more than I did before just because oh, that there are fewer like me here. You that know, sucks. I'm sorry. Um, no, it's okay. I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, it doesn't, I don't go home and cry about it, but I definitely am more conscious of the fact that um, I'm not yet settled. Gotcha. Um, and, and I do want to be. Right. So I think that's what's smart about it is like, I'd be fine if I felt like I were unusual in not being settled at this age compared to a lot of people here if I didn't want to be. But I, I have sort of declared to myself in the past few years that partnership, long-term monogamous partnership, you know, with a man, whether it's marriage with a capital M, likely not, but, you know, some kind of like, after a lot of sort of soul-searching and experimenting with, you know, different ideas on how to have families, different, you know, even dating women, even day, you know, like really sort of exploring my sexuality and sort of my wants and needs as an adult person, I have finally determined like what I want is long-term monogamous partnership with a man. And it's like, as soon as I declare that, it seems hard to find. Mm, <laughs> and it doesn't smart so much when there are a lot of other people like you. And then here I'm, I am, there, there are not. So, um, yeah. Well, speaking about that, I personally have one more question about adaptation. Um, Listeners, if you look at the photos on our site and Heritage's site. So, Julia, you've got this really unique, beautiful, bold aesthetic with how you dress. And um, and, and I really I'm jealous of it and admire that. And I feel like personally, I know like when I leave New York, all of a sudden I feel a little overdressed in other places. Does that how does how you present yourself uh, physically, uh, or how you communicate, like, have you had to sort of adapt in that way or, uh, in either, in any direction as you've, as you've nah, sort of adjusted? I don't give a fuck. I'm going to be me wherever. Yes. <laughs> so, I like that yeah, answer. Yeah, like, I'm still going to dress like me, and, but yeah, that doesn't change. Um, I mean, I do think, you know, I don't think that my style or anything like that has been, um, has changed uh, that never would as I said I'm going to be me anywhere and, but I do think um, some things have been confirmed uh, less about style but like I think when you shake up your life in any way it can it can it's always uncomfortable but it also underscores some things um, and what it has done to me is stress the things about myself I already knew to be true and sort of reaffirm that I value those things like I love my friends and I want to be closer to them I love New York, and I know it's the correct city for me. Mm. Um, I I don't need I don't need to own property. Like I think I'll always be a renter, and I want that space to be relatively small. So, so that's that's something I've learned actually through this experience that I'm I'm a minimalist. Uh, I don't think I realize that, but like even you know having a little more square footage, which I thought would be 
so fun to have a bigger apartment that I would trick out and entertain in. Like, I actually learned that I felt pretty uncomfortable with the amount of, like, consumption it took to fill that place. <laughs> like, um, all of the furniture coming in and the mm. cardboard I was, you know, ripping up and putting out for the recycling. Like, it, it, that didn't feel... Yeah, I think I'm more of a minimalist than I realized. So, and oddly, it took moving to Atlanta to, to understand that fully. <laughs> I'm curious if there are any parts of yourself that you feel perhaps more free to explore or more like willing to explore now that you're in a new place or like that a shakeup in your life again can like, I don't know. I remember like being excited when I went to grad school. It was like, and I left New York and I was meeting this new group of people. It's like, Oh, I can be like, I have a chance now to like reintroduce my, the best version of myself to this group of people. And I'm just like wondering if there's any particular parts of yourself that you felt like excited to tap into that maybe you hadn't been tapping into here in New York. I think I'm leaning into being a stranger. I know I keep using that word, but um, I, and I hope this doesn't come off as antisocial because I have, you know, because of my job, I am very social. I have to be. And I've made some lovely friends here, but at the same time, I feel like my cup is pretty full as far as, like, I'm very lucky to have wonderful friends in my life. And so I didn't, I don't feel pressure to have moved to this new place and completely settle into it because, again, I see this as a as a sort of adventure and not a new home. And so I'm kind of enjoying at times being a stranger and not putting pressure on myself to um, fill my weekends with social activity but, like, get in my car and go explore some part of Atlanta that I didn't know or or just kind of, like, be quiet, be on my own, be an explorer, be curious and... Um, and keeps myself to a certain degree. Does that make sense? Oh, completely. Can you can you share either with our listeners in Georgia or anybody li- who's going to be visiting Atlanta, like a, a, a something you've discovered that you're like, shit, like I'd never see this if I were in New York or eat this if I were in New York, something that was particularly exhilarating? Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't discover it, but like Buford Highway is just like endlessly fascinating. Um, you have so many different... Um, I mean, I hate to use this word, but, like, ethnic cuisines, you know, mostly Southeast Asian, Indian, um, Chinese, um, all along this one, like, seven-mile strip of Buford Highway, um, some some miles out of the center of, like, the downtown of Atlanta, um, reaching into the burbs, and it's just, there are little strip malls, you know, little shopping centers that are just loaded with signs, the language, you know, languages of which I cannot read. And so you just sort of drive in and start working your way around all those little restaurants, whether it's a little tea house or a noodle shop or this and that. And that's just like, it's endlessly fascinating. Um, And I've only, I've only put a very small dent in it. Good to know. Who knew? Who knew Atlanta? Or I didn't. Or I, I guess did, a lot of no people idea. know, obviously. I no but I had no idea. Um, so we're during our series on new beginnings. We are asking everyone this same final question, um, which is: What has this new beginning taught you about love? Oh, guys, I'm going to be such a downer. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're That's okay. I, I'd love to end this on an uplifting note, but frankly, I think you know, as I said, in light of a very recent event, like, and, and then I'm not a man hater, so please forgive me. But, you know, unfortunately it's taught me that men are the same everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can, they can be truly awful. Like I know that women can be too. And I have plenty of male friends who are lovely. So I'm being, 
um, sort of dramatic and overgeneralizing, but I've been so disappointed by this breakup of a relationship just last week, a relationship I kind of thought would be something, and I had to end it for a reason that's pretty despicable. And I think it's just made me feel pretty hopeless about finding love or partnership. And um, I think, you know, I feel... I thought maybe moving to a new place would open up all this new opportunity, and then I'm seeing it's kind of the same everywhere. So it's like I'm starting to think I should wrap my head around the idea of being alone forever because it turns out geography doesn't change the fact that good men are hard to find. Mm-hmm. You know? That that makes a lot of so – I think the uplifting part of that, because um, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. It's the idea of, like, you know, you can't have a baby to save a relationship in a way. You know, it's like you can't just move and assume everything – your problems will go away because you've moved. You can't just – assume that your life is going to be completely different in a new place. You still have to work for it. And unfortunately, bad shit can still happen. So, um, so I'm sorry that you went through that breakup again and, and that it's not miraculously just better in Atlanta. It's okay. I think now that's off my mind, you know, like yeah, I, in a way, the pressure it's is like, off. I'm not, I'm now not thinking about love. Like while I said, I you know, need to work on wrapping my head around the idea of being alone. I, I also am, that has sort of removed some pressure, as you said, and, and now I just kind of want to be here. Like, I'm just, my feet, like, just feel on the ground. It took a little, it was a little bit of a rocky transition, and now I feel kind of excited to go explore. And even really being in Atlanta, I think at first I thought I would use my location below the Mason-Dixon line, uh, you know, and also Atlanta's such a great hub with the airport here to explore the rest of the South. But I think I really have to slow down those plans and like exist in Atlanta to really be a part of it and really, you know, be excellent at my job, which is, which is the primary goal of this whole adventure. You know, I think that's a very smart way to end out. What do you think, Benjamin? I'm with you. And I, and I also take no offense to (laughs) your comment and I agree. Good men and women are hard to find. Yeah. Oh, God, is that the is that the conclusion we're making on this entire show? I think well, I think I mean, that's I what we no, no, no I mean like the show itself. We've like said I've that a had lot. Conversations with yeah. I have conversations about this with like straight men, gay men, straight women, gay women, yeah. and everybody's sort of period at the end of the sentence is like, oh well, like men are the worst, and it's like, really, is that what I have to accept? Like, yeah, just, yeah. yeah men men suck and can be deceitful and. And so, uh, I guess, okay, that's, that's I think, no, I think it's also choose, choose your own. I think it's also choose your own. Like, yeah, men can't like people. Pe- humans can suck, but humans can also be fucking amazing. Yeah, and I think yeah. de- I think deceitful is a really terrible quality. Yeah. And I, I mean, as a, the man in, on the, in the conversation right now, I would say that not all men are deceitful and that is not something that you need to just simply accept. Agreed. Yes. Agreed. I have three older brothers to whom I'm very close and who are all lovely men with women who they treat beautifully. So There we go. Yeah, my brother's the same. <laughs> see, all of our brothers are the same. See, all right. See, we, see, we always end on a high note somehow. Well, Julia, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this has been a very special episode for us. And good luck down there. We look forward to seeing you back in New York very, very soon. Thank you. I'll be back in two weeks. Yay. Listeners, you can find more about Julia and The Lonely Hour at thelonelyhour.com and on Twitter and Instagram as at Julia Bainbridge and at, the, and at Lonely Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you've liked this episode or any of our 74 episodes thus far, please consider becoming a member of HRN today. You'll get 
get access to members-only events and some super cool swag. Plus, we will love you forever for it. Head to heritageradionetwork.org and click on that beating heart in the upper right-hand corner and tell them Love Bite sent you. Next week, we are continuing our, se- our series with DJ Cherish the Love, that's Cynthia Cherish Malloran, who's going to share how she recouped from not only an accident that left her body broken and her mind with amnesia, but several years later, a double mastectomy and treatment for aggressive breast cancer. She's got an insane story about two new beginnings, and we can't wait to share them with you. Until then, thank you to our engineer, Vitor. Our theme song is Give Love by Josh Dion. We are Jack Warner Pozo and Ben Rosenblatt. And Love Bites will be back at the same time next week right here at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. See ya. Save the world. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.